0: Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
1: Good evening and welcome to Femen, Femen about, about It, it. on Heritage Radio Network.org.
0: I'm Mary Isaac.
1: And I'm Chris Kuzmi,
0: And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermenting.
1: Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on Radio Network.org.
0: Welcome to Fement About It episode 147.
1: 147. 47 is the most common number in the universe, so says my <laughs> high school math teacher. We live at 47. All sorts of things happen at 47. I'm excited to get to 47. But you know what I'm also excited about? Last week's episode, that was really fun, having Jeff Cialetti in town. Uh, He's the author of uh, The Year of Drinking Adventurously. Uh, I plan to drink adventurously this year and get out of my safe zone of of beer. Beer. Although I'm not bored of it. I could stay here happily forever, I think. Are there any announcements you'd like to make, Mary?
0: Yes, but I just realized that I put the announcements on the sheet and didn't write down the specifics. So, uh, you with the computer? Oh, uh, that's me, huh? uh, So Brew for Autism, if you're in New York City, Brew for Autism is an event that is occurring on January 30th. 30th um on staten island it's a great opportunity to drink homebrew and commercial beer for a great cause it will be from 1 to 5 p.m tickets are still available they also have great raffle prizes as well um and you if you just google brew for autism you will find the information
1: that's right that very same day i will be up uh, at defiant brewing company uh for uh, the abominable beer fest um which should be pretty fun um <laughs> they conflict, but uh, but if you can make it to both, that'd be awesome.
0: And then, oh, here we go! Saturday, Fe- February twentieth, Josh Bernstein is once again holding his annual homebrew jamboree uh, from noon to two p.m. And uh, let me see if the, I don't know if there are tickets still available. But that's a really cool opportunity to taste awesome homebrew as well. Um, oh, man, it's sold out. So. And
1: it's sold out. But that's okay, because the week after that, Josh and I are putting together a festival. Uh, the second t- year, we're doing it called The Winter's Grind, featuring all all uh, winter beers and s- sausages from local purveyors uh, at Tyson Ho's Arrogant Swine. Um, and it will feature 10 homebrewers and 15 pro brewers.
0: Awesome. That was a great event last year.
1: I'm excited for, to <laughs> take it to round two.
0: I think that's all the announcements I have. I, I didn't do much fermenting this week. I did I bought fresh turmeric root to do a turmeric tonic. I'm still debating how I want to do it. I I don't know if I want to do it like a ginger bug or do um, a more traditional or more, a, a different kind of way ferment.
1: What would you do as a ginger bug?
0: Just make it exactly like ginger bug. So What is ginger bug? <laughs> uh, sliced up root, ginger root or turmeric root. I believe you can also use... How to, i never know how to say this galangal root anybody Nope. oh okay. man i am the queen want, of mispronunciation uh works. and then you some kind of sugar source so some and um usually people put a little bit of lemon or lime in it and then uh you put it in a room temperature or above area and it will basically create a lacto fermentation i've never tried it with i've done it a bunch of times with ginger and i've never tried it with turmeric so i might try that so that's on the slate for fermentations. What would you oh. say of
1: turmeric the other day? There was a fact that you busted out. It's like the most nutritious root.
0: Yeah. It's supposed to be a superfood because <laughs> it has another... I'm totally blanking. I don't have a computer in front of me. But, um,
1: you do. It's just it's a very slow laboratory. It it's really actually used as, it's as a...
0: Um, it's like an ibuprofen. It's like a naturopathic yeah, ibuprofen. And they're also doing a bunch of work, a bunch of studies with cancer prevention or treatment. Yeah. I was trying to think of the main chemical. It's like curcurin or something. Anyway.
1: Thanks for we have a ton of info. You're human. I mean,
0: there you go. But anyway, today I also have a kohlrabi to to I'm going to make a kohlrabi uh, kimchi.
1: How do you spell kohlrabi?
0: K O H L R A B I.
1: Who who eats the most kohlrabi? The Germans.
0: I don't know if that's true, but it is a that's European what we read the other day. it's a European root vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Back to back to the show. <laughs>
1: I'm very excited about today's show. been excited about this for a long time. There is a there is a, a device out there that that is pretty damn awesome. I'm not going to go into too much of what it is uh, until we talk to our guest, Annie Johnson.
0: So Annie Johnson, if you've never heard of her, she is a master brewer for Pico Brew, national BJCB judge, and 2013 AHA Home Brewer of the Year. Are you on, Annie? I'm here. Hey, welcome. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Thank you for having me. So where are you? You're in California. You're on West Coast somewhere, right?
2: I am in sunny Seattle, which is supposed to be really funny because it's not sunny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I bet it's warmer there than it is here, though. (laughs) Oh no, it's forty-seven. So it's raining. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're sitting at twenty-four right now. Twenty-three.
1: Uh, yep, in an, it's quite a bit in an unheated uh, shipping container in the back of a pizza joint in Brooklyn. Right <laughs> it's, it's pretty cold. Right? It's
0: normally heated. The, heat, the heater's a little bit on the right now. It's not too bad though. <laughs> anyway, so let's get let's start. Go back to the beginning. So, how long? When did you start homebrewing, and what got you started?
2: I started home brewing in nineteen ninety-eight. I used to work for a concert promoter, pretty well known. His name was Bill Graham. And uh, we, we worked a reggae show and all every year, the reggae on the river. And then when the show was over, we decompressed, and I was in Fort Bragg, California, because so the show was up in the Redwoods near there. And then I saw a homebrew kit in the window, and I thought, huh, my best friend's birthday. I just got paid. I have all this money. Bought, we have a beer. So I bought the kit, and then we started brewing um, on the weekends mainly during football season. And then my friends would retreat to the couch and watch the games, and then I was spending more and more time in the kitchen. And since we're big baseball and football fans, we named all our beers after Oakland A's and Oakland Raiders players. So we had Raleigh Red and Tim Brown Ale, and we had a Catfish Hunter IPA.
3: <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it just stuck with me. And then they moved. I praying out a job transfer Delaware, and she took everything with her, and then about six weeks after she moved, I, um, in the mail, I got all the brewing equipment, and then a big box of Dogfish Head beer.
3: Very nice. I'd never heard
2: of Dogfish Head, and then, you know, and I just started brewing, I thought, well, this is really cool stuff, and just experimenting with flavors, and then I got bit by the bug, and I started having a lot of competitions, and what they used to call Ribbon Whore, (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I had to get validation all the time. I just I had to have more and more, but that's how it started, and it just kind of took off from there. And then I, then I really started to just you know fall in love with just brewing, and it was just a, a great way for me to escape on the weekend from work and family and all that. I know I talk too much. You're gonna have to. Come no, out. no, this and is great. I, yeah,
1: uh, it's too cold for us to talk too much. here <laughs> um, you, So as a as a ribbon hoard. You, uh,
2: you, you, t- with not hoard,
1: oh. hey, not hoard. Oh, oh I, hoard. Okay, ah, I was trying to get keep it, to P- I was trying to keep it PC. Out. okay, well, you know, just hoarding ribbons. I, I dig that. Um, <laughs> however, you want to approach it, but in order to do that, you had to breach a style. Would were you, were you, a, did you start from a stylistic, uh, or, or was that a, a main focus of yours?
2: Well, yeah, I, I, in the beginning, I was just, you know, kits that I would get at the local shop, and then. I would venture off, but you know, if you think about the, the years being ninety nine, two thousand, there wasn't a whole lot out there on the internet, um, and then the books that I could get, I, I usually stuck to uh, George Fix's book, and there was a Dave Line had a great one from Brewing Great Beer or you know Beers of the World. So I had those, and then I was encouraged to to judge. Uh, and then I, I'm lucky, at, you know, at the time I was so lucky because there's this great core group of judges from Sacramento area, Beth San Gary, um, David Peckham, um, Jamil, Xander Shaft, Dave Sapsis. So they were all friends of mine, and they encouraged me to to brew or to, to take the BJCP. And then from there, I just started breaking down all the, you know, from the guidelines, breaking down the styles. And... Mastering each one, and, and so I would spend, you know, about a year on on each style. Except when I got to the Belgians, I spent three years brewing nothing but Belgians, and you know, and then honing other recipes, and like you know Czech Pilsners. I probably spent, you know, doing the other styles. I still did about five years just on mastering so So being a beer judge, learning about the styles, judging competitions. And brewing, you know, really helped. That helped me evolve as a you know, as a home brewer. It just it gave me everything that I needed. And then I took some classes at UC Davis Fermentation Science Program, too. But nothing helped me more than, than brewing and then using the guidelines.
1: That's awesome. So you, you are a national beer judge. Do you still judge?
0: Yeah, that's what I was
2: going to ask. Do. You. I do. I can't judge as much as I used to. I mean, I, you know, but I, I still judge a good, oh, maybe 12 times a year.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, off topic I, together. Oh, go ahead, Mary.
0: No, I want to I know what you think of the new guidelines. I'm also a national beer judge, so I'm always curious to hear from somebody else.
2: I got there a lot. I do like that they broke up the, the, the Czech beers to have their own thing. Um, but other than that, I'm thinking, I'll probably never take the exam ever again. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to cram all that in my head. I know, hard I enough as it is now because they're thinking, well, maybe it's time for me to, you know, I have so many experience points in all of these, you know, judging exams and, or grading exams and, and proctoring. There's just no way. I, I just I, there's just too much. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, I need to get out and try some of the these newer styles. I think I've been drinking them all along. You know, there's white IPA, black IPA, red IPA, you know, chartreuse IPA. There's all these different ones. <laughs> it's a bit much because at the core it needs to be an IPA. So I, it's just, I, I, I would, I'm not going to say I hate them, but I, I'm not, I like them, but I'm not in love with them yet.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I think We're
2: it's
0: <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's going to be about you, same with you. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity because I brew mostly not to style or kind of oddball uh, beverages. So I I haven't been entering competitions because my beers don't really fit in or non-beers. And um, so I think it's a good opportunity for people that like me that do brew more non-traditionally. Um, I think it's also going to be easier in some ways for judges because going in, you know, it was a little difficult if you're for those, uh, you know, the old kind of um, specialty beer categories, you're judging, you know, apples to oranges. So I think, yeah. you know, breaking it in some of these categories being broken down are going to make it a little easier on the judges. I think it's a lot harder on judge coordinators and competition organizers, Yeah, that's what <laughs> at I'm least sure. for oh, yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. But I think overall, it's it's the right thing. I mean, we're People are brewing all over the place. I mean, all kinds all, of styles. All over the map, and
2: I'm old school. Yeah, but I've had, in the last three, three years, I've branched out where I've done things that are you know not traditional. But for the most part, I'm I'm um, I wouldn't say I'm by the book, but I'm I I it, it's It's I think it's because I've just been doing it for so long that. I'm, I'm like an old curmudgeon Get off my lawn. <laughs> give me my Cascade. and Daniel and move along. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, re- I'm, I'm really am. Bree- bree- you know, going outside. Like I know that you do. I, I've read some of your things online. I know you have an awesome book. And it's, it's. You know, I'm, I'm trying, and then I try other people's beer So I'm finding I like it. But as far as the guidelines go, it's just. I have a copy and I it's just it's overwhelming. Yes,
0: that is true. That is, I think it's going to take a while for everybody to adjust, but I think it's I think it has a lot of pluses and, and I think um it's oh, mm-hmm. you know. And especially if you compare it to the Brewers Association guidelines like, you know, oh, for GAB. What is it?
2: It's huge. Yeah, if yeah. they right. can deal
0: with it, us home brewers can deal with it too.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good really good point.
0: Um so we're going to go to break in a minute, but I just want to ask. So you were the recipient of the 2013 AHA Homebrew of the Year. I actually, Chris and I were at that banquet. Yes. Um. So that was awesome. What was that like to win that? I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but we have to ask you know, it again.
2: <laughs> it was great. It's still one of the. It's 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 huge, especially with the beer that the wine was a American light lager, which yeah is you know, that. You know, that unloved stepchild. Yes. Year. And it, it was really nice to be recognized. I had a ticket. I had a hotel. I had, you know, my, my plane ticket, and I just changed my mind at the last minute because my father was so sick. And I knew if something happened, I would, you know, I wouldn't, because the chances of winning are, are so small. that I thought, man, I can't go. And I'm glad that I stayed because it was a good thing. So when I got the news, I just, I couldn't believe it. I got a text that said, oh, you won it. Like, oh what did I get? Second, third? First, they go, no, you, you won it. You're the you homebrew of the year. Yeah. kidding me. That's not, no way. There's yeah. no way. You yeah, never that. think about it. When, But I then I started to think about it. I thought, boy, now I know Philly in the summer because I have family there, and I taught. And uh, homebrewers, judges, they've been there for days drinking all that beer. Maybe all they wanted was light loved. <laughs> I'm for judging, so maybe that was. But I think also, hard. I mean, that
0: is a notoriously very difficult style to brew. That is not a
2: a, a beer that no, any kind of it was beginner. hard. Yeah, yeah, and so I think probably, people, it remains one of the hardest beers. Yeah, of,
0: definitely. And I think um, more people, more judges recognize that now. Maybe. Um, then yes. you know people mm-hmm. recognize that that's a notoriously difficult style to brew. So
2: well, you you can't just make a, a light gravity beer. I mean, it doesn't have to have that lower gravity, but you have to have flavor. And then there was this terrific article I've been holding on for a couple of years that Betsy Parks wrote for for BYO Magazine. And I thought, you know, I always read the, the that magazine. I always file these these recipes that I want to do in the back of my head, and I had that one. I thought. Well, I'm going to tackle that one, and so that's when I did it. And it, it was at a time in my life where I, I I had a an illness, and I and it was undiagnosed. And I squeaked out two beers. It was that one and, and a, a Czech Pilsner that did really well in the competition. I was so happy that I could just have the strength to put them out. But that article, you know, it's about reading too, and I have my philosophy about reading. In brewing is it, it, it was a terrific article, and I just followed the instructions, mm-hmm. and I just nailed it. And it was, but it was technically it was very very, it was difficult. It was a really hard one. It took a lot out of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I it paid off in the, the end. Took lot <laughs> of you, but
2: that one was <laughs> hard. Awesome.
0: And on that note, we're going to be right back after this short break.
1: If I'm mad about it. Welcome back to episode 147 of "Foment About It" on AirTradeRadioNetwork dot org. We are on the phone with Annie Johnson, Master Brewer for Pico Brew or for Pico Brew, National BJCP Judge and 2013 AHA Home Brewer of the Year. Let's talk about Pico Brew. What is Pico Brew?
2: Pico Brew is a, a startup here in Seattle, which is um, makes automated brewing equipment. So we have uh, three products now, we have the Zymatic which is our flagship brewing equipment and then the Pico which is our latest one and then we also have controlled fermentation with KegSmart.
1: What is the difference between the Zymatic and the Pico?
0: Now is it, wait let me ask, is the Pico out yet or are, are people pre-ordering it?
2: People are pre-ordering okay. the Pico right now and we'll be shipping it in the beginning of April. Awesome. And a Zymatic is a, um, you know, you can do multi-step mashing. It's an all-grain uh, brewing machine, and it's capable of producing, I'd say, just under three gallons of beer, and then the Pico itself uses prepackaged Pico packs, and that's geared more towards the craft beer enthusiast, so we've partnered with breweries who've licensed their recipe to us. Ooh, that's awesome. scaled... Yeah, we've scaled those up. You need to get in on it because we have a master brewers series. You know, people like uh, Drew Beecham, um, Danny Kahn, and and some other some other notable uh, master homebrewers are in on that series. We, should, we would love to have one from from you. From that would the be time. awesome. Be <laughs> totally. Yeah, so I'll email you. We'll talk about that. I awesome. also have uh, Celeste Speedy from Harlem Brewing. She's oh yeah. One. Oh, she's great. Very yeah. cool. Larger breweries like 21st Amendment and Rogue and Abita, they're also getting it. Out. And what we're doing with that one is really democratizing beer. So it's anybody anywhere in the world who has this Pico just gets the pack, puts it in, and it does the brewing for them. So it's that's it's pretty cool.
0: It, it also doubles as a sous vide machine.
2: Yes, if you're in the cooking, uh, um, that's one feature of both the Zymatic and the Pico is that You can do sous vide which we do every wednesday at pico brew because we have about 15 interns that are starving (laughs) um yeah they go to university of washington so we feed them every wednesday we do vegetables we do shrimp we do pork tenderloin skirt steak we uh, just got my yeah
0: chris chris got me an at nova um sous vide stick for christmas so i'm a huge i think that's super cool that that I didn't realize that the Zymatic. We actually we have several friends that have Zymatics, um, and they all love them. But I didn't realize that they both the, the Zymatic and the Pico can uh, double as a sous vide machine. So that's a really cool. Yeah.
2: Well, we love food at Pico Brew, so there's no way we we could have one do it and not. the other.
0: Yeah. Now you yeah. said the Pico how, makes how much uh, liquid? The
2: Pico does five, five liters. Okay. of Finished beer, yeah. which is and about then with Packs that, they that, use. They started. Their estimated cost will be about 15 to to 30 dollars and they're compostable oh nice yeah it's very important for us to make sure that we have those compostable packs
0: and then the five five liters is what just under two gallons is that no
2: it's like 1.2 so okay under uh just about 16 pints
0: and how are you guys recommending just out of curiosity how are you guys recommending that people package their the peak from the Pico?
2: Oh, well, all the, and, you, and so if you have a Pico, you'll go to PicoBrew.com and we have a brew marketplace. And this is the place where all the breweries have all the beautiful uh, pictures of their beer. They talk about the beer. and You can go through and, and read about breweries uh, and select the beer and the pack that you want. It's kind of like a, a shopping, so you just look at all these, you know, or you, and you can pick by style of beer or just buy a brewery that you know. And these breweries are predominantly U.S. and Canada, but we have some from all over the world, from Italy and Chile and, and South Korea and Australia. So you, you just pick the beer that you want, and then the Pico Pack, and then it, we ship it to you. It gets made out fresh. Um
1: as somebody that has been very hands-on with brewing from the beginning what what was it what brought you to Pico brew and what do you what do you like it as a about it as a home brewer and what is your job is that what you said? what's that
2: what, what, what was the question I'm sorry
1: as somebody who, who has been hands-on you've been hands-on home brewing for uh, yes. up until getting involved with Pico Brew when did you get involved with Pico brew
2: well, I, I had one homebrew of the year, and then it was a few months after that, I was on a plane, and I saw the this, and I never read the paper on the plane. Um, and I and I was actually traveling to go see my father, and it was, I know he's getting ready to, to die, so I was in a weird state, and I picked up a paper, and I read about it, and I thought, what well, is this robot? and who are these people holding up pine glasses, cheering each other? They're all skinny, and um, I know no, no brewer is that fan. So I, I was down, and I was talking with my brother, and I showed him the article, and he said, you should write him a letter, and you should tell him, you know, tell him who you are. I'm like, yeah, okay, because that's not my <laughs> top at all. So I wrote a letter, and I said, and uh, I read about you, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'd love to see the, the device, and, and then, um, by the way, I just you know, I won Homer of the Year, and I'm a beer judge, so they invited me in. I they wrote me back within a couple hours, and Bill Mitchell did. And then I, I went a couple weeks later, and uh, they had a nice lunch for me that they cooked sous vide, and it was my first experience with that. <laughs> and then I and then they gave me this terrific tour, and then I tasted the beer, and I was so prepared to, you know, get down on its case pretty much. And I guess I couldn't not because the one thing that struck me was the 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 absence of off flavors that you find typical with a lot of right you know home brewing not so much anymore, but you you know you know in a lot absolutely. Of diacetyl oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: absolutely <laughs> and,
2: and DMS and some other things and but there was none of that, and it was from one of their lab techs who had never brewed before. Uh, In her whole life, she'd just been there working six months as an intern. I thought, hmm, this is interesting because I was trying IPAs, double IPAs. I was trying dark American lagers and Baltic port. I was trying all these styles because she she was just nabbing anything she could find on the Internet. And so I told him, I said, you know, this is pretty good, but don't take my word for it. You should put it in a competition get it out there and, and get some blind panel tasting. So I got an email a couple of weeks after that, inviting me back. Um, there was a, uh, uh, there was a sous device in Seattle. I think it was called the, I can't, sound fair or something. No, that's a line, but you
0: know, it was No, I know. Yeah. Made. There is one that has a name like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they invited me in to meet those guys because they're from Seattle too. And, and then I, and then I eat. Bill gave me a key to the building and said, we, we really need some recipes. Would you be interested in helping out? We'll give you some money um, or we'll give you a zymatic. I thought, shoot, because I really wanted the money. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. And then it was probably two weeks after that um, that he said, would you, would you ever consider working here? And I had worked 20 years for the California State Legislature, as a business analyst, and I thought, okay, this is my chance to turn a hobby in a career. Yeah. And I have 20 years in with this other job that I was starting to get really, probably a real little too, um, I don't know what the word is, I was just growing older, not just growing older, just bitchy, getting older. Sure. And <laughs> Over. so I, I said, yeah. So I've been there ever since. And it's been wonderful. I was employee number 11, and we have 35 now. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So it what is-, is really good. It's a really good place, and I, I always want people to come and if they're in Seattle to come see it because, you know, they, there was some. There was this amount of backlash from home because it's, you know, they they're don't they don't want the the automation, the robot in their basement or whatever. But trying to get the word out and talking to them and showing them the device and the passion that goes behind it and. And inviting a, and, and having make, converting people's way of thinking, like Denny Kahn was no, yes, way. right. <laughs> right. Doing it. That's and right. now he has one, yep. and Drew, Drew has one, and yeah. they they love it. Yeah, and same with John Mayer, Rogue. And oh. he, he came by because Denny told him to come see it, and then he, you know, he just out of the blue, I get an email says, We are loving our manic. they have one at home. <laughs> but how this, he goes? It's not. I've ever brewed that way, and ever in thirty years, <laughs> but it's just it's just a different way. And if people could just some people just realize if it gets more people in the hobby, then right. it's good for everyone. We're well, all so getting what? more beer. Homebrew shops win because you buy more things. So it just is this great thing, and the older people are getting back into it. Who can't live because of thezheimer's? You really don't have to live.
0: Which is great. Yeah. I actually brewed five gallons yesterday, and I scorched my stomach moving my my uh, my yeah. kettle because yeah. I mash in the oven, and I had to move it on top of the burner, and I had a hard exactly. time. It was, <laughs>
2: it was it's a not pain. taking yes. away; it's just adding to. It's, <laughs> right. a, it's a philosophy a friend of mine has in life: it's, don't be a uh, something somebody who takes away; be an add to, and it just adds to the hobby and and. And it has, for what I think it can be used for, there's 500 things I haven't thought of. I've got users in wheelchairs. Yep. I, You know, uh, we have people that have rheumatoid arthritis, people that live in cities like New York that don't have balconies or right. garages, backyards. These are all these things that, you know, that you, things I used to take for granted. Yeah, Always and- having space that now I'm thinking well, this, is, this isn't this is for everybody. And it's not supposed to be for everybody, but it really has can be for some people and be a great tool. Cause, and then the multi-step mashing is just a bonus. And, of course, Suvi, we were talking about it.
0: Absolutely. And I, don't, I don't know if people have been to some of these large commercial breweries, but those are not too yeah. different. Those are very, you know, there's some push-button commercial systems. If you're doing oh, something that you totally love automated. and making delicious. This
2: is probably one of the most beautifully automated breweries in the country. Absolutely. So what
1: is the yeah. level of automation on, on a Pico brew? What is a typical brew day? Like,
2: can, Is it push uh, play, dynamic, play? It is play. Um, about typical brew days, three and a half hours. And it's been designed so the, you know, it's a recirculating mash. And then once you cool down the wort, which you can do, you can uh, hook up a, an immersion chiller and run the wort through it, put that in the bucket ice. Or we have people that use plate chillers. Or you can do the, the easiest way is to chill overnight, because it's a smaller volume, and it really does cool overnight. And then you pitch the yeast the next day, because it ferments in the keg itself. And then the dip tube is cut short by a half inch, so you can pump out the beer. So you have this nice closed system. Which is great. And then you, yeah. I thought I get you a loaner unit. Would you like (laughs) one for the show? You can brew.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, (laughs) without a doubt. And
2: it's terrific, uh, Mary, because, like I said, I only in the last few years have been branching out. But things that I put now into the hop compartments uh, on my walk to work, I'll grab some fresh rosemary from someone's yard. I brew with lilac blossoms. You know, there's you know you know you can anything that you can think of, hibiscus flowers. All these different things that you can put inside of the cages work so well, because it, it really has this fine filtering system, so you get this beautifully crystal clear work. And our, one of our biggest champions was White Labs, took a prototype in the Ju- June of 2013, and they use it in, in their lab. One of their fellows there, Karen Portman, uses it all the time. She calls it her baby Z. So you know, <laughs> that's people awesome. thinking outside and not being hurt because it's different from maybe a three-tiered system or something. It's just, it's just a new way of eating. And the best beer, you know, those kinds of beers are from people that are thinking about, how can I get the best product? How can I get this? And then with Design it's just automation and, and consistency that you get the same thing over and over and over. Or if you make a beer, you send me the recipe. You know, I get it online. He says I have it. I can make it. And I go. I know what you're talking about. It's so good. Right. Yeah. And so. And is the Zymatic that community. still?
0: Zymatic still gives you full control over what you know—malt bill, your hop additions, mm-hmm. like you said, any spices or flour or yeah. herbal additions.
2: Mm-hmm. We have it and It's because it's automated. When you load it and you you push the button, you don't have to babysit it. You can watch it on your. A tablet or a smartphone and You can see the progression of the mash graph going And as it goes along And then it, when it's done brewing it, it, it sounds an alarm It's a small beep, And it asks you, okay, I'm done Do you want to hook up your chiller now Or do you just want to end your brew cycle And then you can do a, a pre-program Rinse or in a deep cleaning And everything cleans up in the dishwasher As well So We've got a lot of satisfied people around the world That are brewing Which is nice
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And the Pico, so the Pico comes with a keg that people can dispense from, too. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: the Pico comes all-inclusive, as does the Zymatic. The Zymatic comes with the brewing keg. And the Pico comes with the brewing keg and the serving keg. And we get all the transfer equipment. And we have, you know what, we pride ourselves at Pico Brew. We have such good customer service. And we have problems, like, you know, any company. But we, we, um... We have really good, you know, customer service seven days a week. It's always someone answering people. It's easy that we have a customer service manager who used to own a homebrew shop, and then myself and and one other guy. So you, you're getting not only product support, you're getting any kind of brewing help. So it's it's really cool. Uh, you know, it's nice that we can provide that, and that's people really like that.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. We have. Well, we have uh, a friend who actually owns a commercial meadery in New Jersey. So he Detroit. actually had to change the law in New Jersey so he could open this commercial meadery. And he's so busy in the meadery, but he wanted a homebrew, so he just brought, bought one yeah. for his home. I think he has it in the meadery actually, and he's really been enjoying. It. He's been posting on Facebook.
1: This is oh, cool. Sergio Matuela. Yeah, we have.
0: So, I mean, everybody that we know that has one it, loves too. it. I
2: love it for prototyping.
1: But how many recipes have you have you put out uh, in in your time there?
2: Um, I put out uh, one hundred and eighty five. Wow! And I know, and these are these are recipes. Some of them are m- ones that I had and that I adapted to the um, zymatic, and then others I created new, and then brewing them no less than a, six times with with both the dry yeast. Uh, and then also white labs and white yeast. So, it's a, it's, so each recipe before it goes into our library. Um, in the beginning, the first 80 was brewed about, yeah probably close to 12 times, between 12 and 16. And then now I brew them I'm, I'm much less, like three, since I know the machine so well. But I want to be able to tell people, what the different yeast will do to the to the base recipe. So
0: yeah, definitely. You know,
2: yeah, that's nice to because so, well, what's the difference if I use USO five and you know or I use California Ale or I use ten fifty six from my yeast? And I was like, well, this is what you get with this and that and that. <laughs>
0: yeah nice. I will also make a note so we we actually the home brewer of the year last year went to three of our friends here in New York City that are That's big right. sour brewers, and Oscar Norlander, which is one of the three he and his girlfriend actually uh did the Kickstarter, so they have both a zymatic and the keg smart and they love it so
2: oh good, you know i I had done. Um, out to New York in the summertime and That's right. I, yeah. We, yeah were, we were and I, I went a town or to Bitter and after they had a nice little event. That's a nice thing too, is that we get to, we'll go out anywhere anybody invites us will show up. But um I and Oscar he was, in, he was a really cool guy. Yeah, it was so cool that they won. Yeah. Because I had chatted with them at MHC in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And before you know the the award ceremony. So when they won, I thought, oh, I, hey, I know them. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out one of the, the, the nice fellow, His name escapes me. Who was at Brooklyn Brewery? He and I are from. He's from Sacramento too. <laughs> so it was it was unique. Nice guys, all of them. Really cool that they won.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and well deserved. We've been drinking their beer for years.
2: So kind of goes. That's and that's. Uh, I love that. Yes, that they They, yeah, that they have yeah, a magic
0: absolutely. barrel that they have cultivated. So, really quick, we have to go sh- shortly, but I just want to ask, what's one of your a favorite? Or a re- I, I kind of hate the favorite question, but what's one of your favorite or a couple of your favorite um, recipes that you've developed for Pico Brew recently? Or what, what kind of what beers?
2: Oh, um, I, I'm uh, it's a really hard question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I like. Um, well, I'm a huge fan of making red ales. I've always loved red ales. And then making check builders. I have terrible, I'm a terrible namer of beers, but, you know, I have those. But, if, I mean, if you ever want any recipes, I'd be more than happy to give you any of the recipes. Awesome. Anything that you like. You know, my own stuff that I make at home. But I still have a 20-ounce system at home that I brew on awesome. every couple of months. Because we're really getting fat at home because I got beer at work and that beer at home. (laughs) Double lard. Yeah, I'll name my next IPA Double lard. That's how bad I am at naming beers. Fantastic. I
0: I think that's a pretty good name. All right, we have to wrap it up, but thank you so much for being on the show. Hopefully we'll see you at, I think you're going to CBC?
2: Yeah, we'll be there with our our Pico, our H-Bam. We have a 73 Citron um, H-Bam, which is, is the, the sides flap up and nice. they pull out the awesome. neon sign and it's pretty cool thing and then we'll be in Baltimore
0: awesome we'll and we'll definitely there. be there as well Absolutely. so we look forward yeah. to meeting you in person and thank you so much for being on and we hope we we ran out of time to talk about everything but hopefully we'll have you on in the future as well
2: anything you know you what so. and to Mary and Chris it was really nice to talk to you if any of your listeners or ever want to get a Zymatic please have them email me and I will extend my home brewer discount which is a really nice design.
1: what is your email address
2: it is um i'll give you t- attention annie and it's info at picobrew.com and tell them that you heard me on your great show from then about it and Thank i will get i will i will hook them up
0: awesome and anybody out there who has not heard of the Pico Brew and wants to know more about it you can go to picobrew.com that's p-i-c-o-b-r-e-w.com so, Thanks again, Annie. We'll Annie, see you soon. You're awesome. Thank you. All right. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Fill so about it. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at Heritage Network dot org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.